We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. I consider changing it. The Lord said, don't you dare. Stay where I put you till I finish this lesson. I want to call this, by faith, Easter. How do we celebrate Easter? Does it come with cards and bunny rabbits and baskets and egg hunts? Is that how Easter comes? No, it comes by faith. Does Easter come by tradition? I mean, I can tell you, I know many, many pastors, and there's several sermons throughout the year they don't plan for. You know why? They do the same sermon every year. They have the same four or five Christmas services. They have the same three sermons at Easter. They don't write them. They don't research them. They just repeat them year after year. Here's the problem with that, church. Ladies, when you first met your husband and he decided that he was going to marry you, what did he say to you? He said, I love you. Did, did that make you excited? Just say yes, make him feel good. Yes, it made you very excited. And, and, and after, after a year, he said, you know what? I still love you, baby. Didn't that just thrill your heart? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pray for y'all. I really am going to pray for y'all. Seriously. Here's the thing. Sometimes, if you've got a good husband, not that I'm pointing anybody else, if you've got a good husband who says, I love you every day, you can become immune to that. Did you know that? You can become immune to someone saying, I love you. Because you hear it so often, you don't think about it. You don't think about what goes behind that. The same thing happens with Palm Sunday. If you do the same Palm Sunday sermon year after year after year, you don't hear it anymore. It's the same facts. It's the same things over and over again. The first time it was great. Might have been a great sermon. The 30th time you've heard it, you've heard it. Today, you haven't heard it. We're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. We're going to talk about, by faith, Easter comes to us. This first one says this, faith teaches us how to know God. What's the purpose of Easter? To know our Father in heaven. Look at the words of Scripture. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. By what did they win God's approval? By faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith he was approved as a righteous man. Why? Because God approved his gifts. What was his gift? Faith. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his removal, he was approved since he had pleased God. How did he please God? You should know by now. By faith. People are only approved by the Lord by their faith in him. Now without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. God bless his word. Consider what it meant to be with Jesus as he stepped up to Jerusalem that day. Remember before that he had been out among the pagans, he had been out among the Samaritans and 
they were unhappy. Why? Because he was going to Jerusalem. The apostles were unhappy. Why? He was going to Jerusalem. Why would that make them unhappy? They were coming up in the Passover. That's where you needed to be to celebrate. But they knew and Jesus knew to go to Jerusalem was to die. He even told them, I am going to go there and they are going to seize me. They are going to beat me. They are going to kill me. Why did he go if he knew it was death? Because Jesus knew what lay on the other side of that death. And that was our eternal hope. Look at this. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. The disciples could not have known what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus told them again and again. He told them what would happen. But what did they really believe? They believed that if they stayed with Jesus, it was going to be okay. When you can't pay the bills, Miss Sharon, and you stay with Jesus, what happens? The check's in the mail. When you're studying for that test and you're sweating that test, Sister Redora, and you're going, Lord Jesus, I need help. What happens? He delivers. Now get this, church. Sometimes he doesn't deliver on the first test. Sometimes he means for you to take the second test. And sometimes the third test. If you're going through something right now in your life, it is by faith that you continue to go at it. If God has led you there, church, you need to stay with it until God brings you through it. You may not see the way through that darkness. You may not see the way through those bills or through that test, but God is going to bring you through because Jesus led them to Jerusalem. What did he do? It says he stood there and he wept. Why did he weep? Because he knew that this was the appointed hour. This is the time God had mandated in history that he would enter Jerusalem. By faith, he knew this was his time. And he knew what lay beyond his death was the salvation of us all. How do we walk today? How do we get to know this God that we serve? Do we depend on traditions given to us by our parents? Do we depend on stories that we heard in Sunday school? How many people have a Bible in their home that hasn't been opened in five years or ten years? I can always go to a house and I'll spot who's reading the word. You know why? Because it's a big giant Bible sitting on the coffee table. You know what I noticed about the big giant Bible on the coffee table? This is nobody in this church, by the way. This is in churches far, far away. Because it would never happen here. That Bible is the dustiest thing in the house. Or someone walks up and they got one of them big giant study Bibles. You know what you always do to somebody that's got a study Bible? Can I see that? Flick through the pages. If they stick and crackle, they've never opened it. Here's the thing. I love to see Bibles that are worn out, where the spine is broken, and, and then the pages are falling out, and they're marked up, and they're highlighted, because that's a book that someone's been going through to find out who God is and what God is doing. Look at some of these. It says, for our ancestors, one God's approval by their faith in him. That's how it all began. By faith, we understand that the universe was created at God's command. Do I have to worry about evolution? No. Do I have to worry about the science that teaches me I evolved from monkeys and tadpoles? No. Why? Because by faith, I understand the universe was made by God. Now, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Here's the problem. 
in churches all around America, they tell you, you know what, brother? If you don't believe in the book of Genesis, that's okay. Don't worry. It's not important. Wait a minute. If it's not important that God created man perfect and that man sinned and that God cast man out of the garden so he lost access to the tree of life, if that's not important, then why do I need a Savior? The whole reason for Jesus is found in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus had to enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday because of what we did way back in the Garden. And it says this, For by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Did Cain and Abel both know what sacrifice they were supposed to bring? Yes. Did Abel have faith that God would accept it because it's what God asked for? Yes. Just like the people in Egypt knew that if they put that lamb's blood on their doors, they would be saved. How did they know that? It hadn't happened yet. They knew it by faith. How do we know that if we pray to God, he hears us? By faith. Do you know why people don't pray? Because they don't believe God hears them. Think about it. If we truly believed that God heard even the whispers of a heartbroken mother or wife, if God heard even the whispers of this woman in the darkness, in her room, alone, if God heard every word that she whispered and cried out, wouldn't we cry out to God all the more? Wouldn't we cry out to God over every issue, whether it be a broken toe or a bill you can't meet or a test you got to take or a job that you need? Wouldn't we cry out day and night if we truly believed that God answers prayer? I firmly believe the reason why we don't have what we need is we don't believe God answers. We think that God answers some things, but not other things. God answers some people, but not other people. That's the problem. We don't have this faith of Abel. See, Cain, he had faith in himself. Well, you know, this is a pretty good-looking sacrifice. All my brother gave is that stupid animal over there. I'm giving God a whole big salad, and he's going to be pleased because I worked hard for this. Does God care what you worked for? No. Cain found that out the hard way. God told them what to give. Abel gave it, trusting God to accept it. God accepted it. Cain thought he could outsmart God, and it didn't work. You can't win God's approval by your works. Think about it. It says here, by faith he was approved as a righteous man because God approved of his gifts. And even though he's dead, he still speaks through his faith. How many of us, even if we're not 87 or 60, how many of us would love to know, I mean, know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if the Lord delays, and if we all go to the grave, our lives will speak for Jesus Christ even though we're dead. How amazing would that be? Think of a guy like Mr. Elliot, the pilot who flew his missionary aircraft over those, over those natives in South America, and he was killed by them when he landed to share the gospel with them. That brother's been dead a long time. His life, his blood testifies as to who God is. Not just in the books written about him, not just in the movie written about him, but before God, his life testifies. Think about the people in your life, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, teacher, pastor, who has shown you the face of God. Their life speaks, even though they may have gone on to the grave. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. 
And he was not found because God took him. For prior to his removal, he was approved since he had pleased God. How did Enoch please God? By believing and following the God he believed in. This is Palm Sunday. People were lined up in Jerusalem. The high priest had gone out. He went out to get the lamb, the final sacrifice for the Passover. They were waiting for the high priest to come back. I told you this. Why were they lined up in the streets? Because tradition said you line up for the high priest and you wave your palm branch and you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? Guess who came in? The Lord. The Lord came in that day. And they were there and they got to experience something because they showed up where they were supposed to be. Hopefully today when you're here, hopefully something in this message will speak to you about your walk with the Lord. How well you see the Lord. How clearly do you see the God that you want to serve. That's what it's all about. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him, mark these two things, must believe that he exists. Not just some vague idea of a God. Do you know everything about the God you serve? Do you know, really know the God you serve? If I ask you to stand up and say, tell me what you know is absolutely a thousand percent true about our God. How many of us could do it? We've been studying it in the Baptist Faith, the message. We've been studying that God is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the reconciler. That God is all these things. And how do we know that? Because the word says that's who he is. Most people in American churches are agnostic. You know what that means? It's not an atheist. Atheists don't believe in nothing except evolution and monkeys. Agnostic people think that there is a God somewhere. They just don't know who he or she is. They kind of shoot the spiritual dice. Well, there's a God up there somewhere. And this God could be a guy or a girl. And this God probably is a very nice person and probably loves everybody and probably will accept me because I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I mean, I do more good things than bad things, right? That's the spiritual dice that most people throw every day. They say, there must be a God and he must be like this. It just makes sense. God doesn't have to make sense. God told you who he was. He showed you in the person of Jesus Christ exactly who he is. So by faith in this word and in his son, we see who God is. But go on. Hebrews 11, 7 through 31. Now, I, I sort of shortened this down a little bit. This is a big passage. It's a big passage. I shortened it down a little bit. So faith teaches us how to know God. But also faith shows us the promise of what is to come. Faith shows us the promise of what is to come. Keep thinking in terms of Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming in in the place of the high priest. He's coming in with no lamb in his lap. So that means he has no sacrifice. This should be a dead giveaway to those of you who love the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Because Isaac asked the same question. He said, Dad, we got the wood. Where's the lamb? You know, he should have been sweating about that. Wait a minute. There's nothing to sacrifice here. The people should have noticed Jesus didn't have a lamb. Therefore, somebody on that donkey was the lamb, just like Isaac thought he was the lamb. 
By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, the flood had not come yet, no rain, and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going to go. Some of you are walking that road today. Some of you are in a place where God is taking you somewhere. You just don't know what that somewhere looks like. You don't know what that job looks like. You don't know what that new career looks like. You just passed your certification. Praise God. Where does that take you now? What's the next step? God's going to lead you there. God's got a plan for it. But if you don't know it, how do you get there? By faith that God's going to lead you there. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. By faith even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children. Now get this, church. This wasn't some weird act of biology. She received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered the one who had promised was faithful. All of you who are waiting on God, underline that in your Bible. Since she considered the one who had promised was faithful to deliver it. These all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Let's stop right there for a second. Look at those first sets of people. Amazing things. Abraham was called to leave security, leave wealth, leave provision, leave home, and go to a place and God didn't even give him a road map, didn't give him an airplane ticket, didn't give him a job when he got there. Most of you, when you left the Philippines and you got here, you had some idea where you were going to go and some idea what you were going to do. You may not have known it was this scary, but you had some idea where you were going. Some agent had hired you and had provided you a job and a ticket to get somewhere. Now, when you got here, you might have been scared to death, but you at least knew where you were going, right? Could you imagine going down and God says, get on the airplane and I'm going to take you somewhere. When you get off the plane, you could be in North Carolina. You could be in Saudi Arabia. You could be in Nairobi, Africa. Dude, you could be somewhere really scary like Brooklyn, New York. You could be anywhere because God says, I'm not telling you where. I'm going to send you. You obey me. You get on the plane and I'll take you where you need to go. How many of you would come if you didn't know where you were going to be and what you were going to be doing? Think about it. Think realistically. When you got on the plane in the Philippines to come here, if someone said, I'm going to take you somewhere, you're going to do something, and you have to trust me for what that is. How many of you would do it? That's what God asks us to do every day. He says we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes God asks us to trust him for $30. Here's the thing. If you can't trust the Lord for 30 bucks, how are you going to trust God with your grandchildren, with your children, with your marriage, with your job, with your future, with your health? And I got my 50-year checkup coming up this year. I got to tell you, I'm starting to pray in advance for deliverance or the rapture, whichever comes first, because 
At 50, it's just not pleasant. Gentlemen, can I get an amen? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. There we go. Sarah's another one. Sarah was past the point of being able to give birth. She was not dumb. This woman knew she was old. She knew that old women don't have babies. But God said, you are going to conceive a child. This is going to be the one who inherits the promise. That had to be absolutely amazing. It says here, she considered the one who had promised was faithful. She didn't trust her body. She didn't trust in science. She didn't trust in tradition and culture. She trusted in the God who made the promise. When you read this church, let me ask you a question. Have you ever come across a promise in here and you said, God can't do that. Don't lie to me. I know you have. You have said to yourself, that promise was for somebody else, some other time, some other way, but it's not for me, it's not for today. You said, Lord, I, I can't hold to this. This is too hard. This is too difficult. I can't trust this. You know what the Lord said? I am so sorry. I had so much for you, so much to give you, so much to pour out on you, blessings, shaking down, running over, good stuff. You know, mean coats and Gucci shoes. Good stuff. I'm just kidding on that one. God, don't do that. But you wouldn't even believe me, except in the areas that are beyond your control, like death, what comes afterwards. These all died without having received the promise. Abraham was told this land would be inherited, but not by him. It would go to the generations after him. Did Abraham believe that when he was dead, his, his children would inherit that land? Did he believe it? Yes. Why? Because he lived his life like it. It says he was so content, he stayed in the land as a stranger, as an alien, as a temporary resident. Do those words sound familiar to you, church? Strangers, alien, temporary residents? That's what you are on this earth. New Testament says we are citizens of heaven. We are not to be concerned about this place, this physical life, this physical earth. We're not to worry about that. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do we live like we're citizens of heaven or do we live like we're citizens of the earth? Worrying about the earth, worrying about the things of the earth. I watched this debate yesterday and it raged on about the American economy and, and the, the, all the health stuff and all the benefits and all this is going to crash and all these things. And you know what I thought? If I didn't have Jesus Christ, I'd go crazy. If I had to watch all this nonsense, all of these panicking people, if I didn't have a God who was powerful enough to hold me together through it, I think I would panic. Let me put something to you. If you watch the news about the economy and you are worried, you don't have an economic issue. You got a faith issue. You got a faith issue. I'm not saying be stupid and just blow all your money. Yes, I know you can't say that word in public. I'm not saying be crazy and throw it all away. I'm saying you have to live wise. You have to live smart. But ultimately, people, it's not in your hands to do anything about it. It's not in your hands whether or not you get cancer. It's not in your hands whether or not you lose your job. It's not in your power. If it's not in your power, why are you worried about it? Don't you think if God could hold Abraham together, hold Sarah together, 
hold all of these saints. Can God not take care of you? Because that's what it sounds like when we say the things that we say. I love to look at this. It says, but, now, but they now deserve a better place, the heavenly one. We deserve to look forward to where we're going to be. Why do you think Jesus wasn't afraid to go into Jerusalem? He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to suffer. He knew he'd be beaten. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Why did he do it if all that terrible stuff was going to happen? Because unlike us, he's not attached to this world. He's not afraid of this world. He knows that in order for us to be free, he had to die. That's why he set his face like flint, the Bible says, and he entered that city to his death. Palm Sunday was a great celebration if you weren't Jesus. I mean, Palm Sunday was a great celebration as long as you were not the guy on the donkey because the guy on the donkey was the sacrifice. For him, it wasn't so great. But for the joy set before him, he endured what had to happen that week to get us to where we are today. Let's continue in that passage. We're going to go back up there. It says this. Okay, so it says, uh, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and he was offering his unique son. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, and as an illustration, he received him back. You understand, that's why Isaac went on the, on the stakes, right? Abraham did not expect to stop. Abraham expected to kill his son. You know that, right? He didn't have faith that God would stop his hand. He had faith that God would raise him from the dead. I've heard pastors teach, oh, Abraham knew that God was going to stop him. I'm thinking, no, he didn't, because he had a good downswing going when the angel came after him. He was going to go through with that, commit 110%, trusting that even God, if he let it happen, would raise him from the dead. If you go through something, cancer, illness, financial collapse, family trouble, marriage trouble, whatever you go through, on the other side, God is still faithful. Amen? Consider God to be able to raise, to raise someone from the dead, and as a, is an illustration, he received him back. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. He said, you are going to leave here. You are going to leave. Abraham knew it was 400 years. Joseph knew when the time's up, take my bones with you. He was an official. He had the right to an official coffin, an official sarcophagus, an official tomb. But he didn't want it because it wasn't where he was going to stay. Because when that time was completed, he was going to leave with his people and go to the land of that promise. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. Talked to Brother Lenny yesterday. They're putting out little signs all over North Carolina about the vote that's coming up on the marriage amendment. One man, one woman. You know that one? You know what's interesting? He says, we sent out thousands and thousands of these little yard signs that say, you know, keep marriage a man and a woman. And after they sent them up the next day, they called around and checked. Guess what happened to all those wonderful signs? Somebody came and tore them out of the ground. All over North Carolina, people are putting signs in their front yards that say, keep marriage, one man and one woman. But there are enough people going around there who are so vindictive, they are ripping these signs out of the ground. They're destroying them. They're taking them somewhere. They're disposing of them. 
That's how opposed they are to the Word of God. The people who live in those houses are going to suffer. They're throwing eggs at their houses. They're, you know, they're doing other things to the houses to show that they're unhappy. They're making calls. He said that their office gets death threats for trying to support this. You know, he said it's amazing because the gay and lesbian forces are the forces of tolerance, right? They are trying to say we should tolerate everybody. He says, but it's funny, they're the only ones making death threats. See, that's how the world really works. When you stand with the Lord, people are not going to be happy. Don't be fooled. You stand up and be an active, vibrant, living Christian in your community, you will draw fire. That's just the way it goes. But Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. By faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. Remember what I said, if you're an Israelite and you are God's people and you're Hebrew through and through, if there's no blood on your house, what happens to your firstborn? It dies. The blood was what it took to protect the people inside the house. If the Israelites said, but you know what? This is not my house. I rented this house. I can't go throwing blood on it. So I'm just going to pray and God will let the death angel pass over, right? No. Why? God told them, if you want to be safe, take that lamb, sacrifice it, paint the blood on the door. That means make a bold statement. Tell the whole world who you are. Did the death angel know who was God's people? Yeah. Did he need the blood? No. Did the people need to identify themselves as God's people? Yes. That week, that Passion Week that we're about to celebrate, starting with the triumphal entry of Jesus, everybody who was with Jesus was going to be marked. You realize that as soon as they decided to kill Jesus, there's one other person they said about to kill right away, right? Scripture says that as soon as they realized that people were believing in Jesus because of a guy named Lazarus, the Scripture says they took counsel how they might dispose of Lazarus also. I mean, Lazarus had already died once, and they're fixing to kill him again. But that's what happens when you identify with Jesus, when you are bold, when you paint your house with that blood, when you say, this is who I am. It is crazy, it is crazy to say you are a Christian in America today, unless you're willing to back it up with your life. And that's the truth. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute received the, the spies in peace and did not perish with those who were disobedient. You realize that Rahab is one of the few non-Jewish women in the lineage of Jesus, right? You realize that, right? There's, there's, there's a couple non-Jews that show up in the lineage of Jesus, there's only a couple women that show up in there, and she's one of them. Why was Rahab so special? Because she was nothing. She wasn't Jewish. She wasn't a proper woman. She was a prostitute. What did she know that nobody else knew? She had looked, and she knew that these were the people of God. These were the people of Yahweh. She had heard what they did on the other side of the Jordan. She had heard about the kings, Og and Sihon, who had fallen before these people because their God was more powerful. And when they came to Jericho, what did she know? 
What did she knew that everybody else forgot? If God did it then, and God did it then, what's he going to do here? Same thing. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I tell you, why do we doubt God? Why do we doubt this God who has done so many amazing things? Why do we doubt his ability to deliver his people? And we must doubt, otherwise we would pray, and we would believe, and we would stand on that belief, even if it costs us public embarrassment, even if you put a sign for marriage in front of your house, and somebody rips that sign out, they throw eggs at your house, and they egg your car, and they egg your van. Personally, that kind of thing just excites, excites me. Not so much for the wife, though. She's not so happy about that one. In my neighborhood, you can't put up a sign. It's one of those controlled neighborhoods. You know, they have a homeowners association. It's a homogenous association. Everybody's house has to look exactly the same. Same color doors, same color everything. It's really a boring place to live. But I like it. Anyways, there's an evil part of me that would love to put up a couple signs and stay up at night and look to see who comes by. I would just do that just because I'm not ashamed of what I believe, amen? I'm not ashamed. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and only Rahab was ready because she believed that God would save even a pagan who had faith in him. So I think it's amazing that today we need more Rahabs. We need more people who, even though they don't have the right lifestyle or, or maybe they have problems, they have issues, they are willing to stake everything on this God who honors those who live by faith and faith in the Son of God. Let's keep going. Let's finish up. Hebrews eleven thirty-five through 40. Faith helps us to endure the present trials. Short passage, but very important. Remember now, it teaches us to know God. Faith tells us, look at the Bible, know who I am, know what I expect, and know what I will do. Anything else you think about God, anything you learn from mama, daddy, church, or anywhere else, get rid of it. If it's not from the Bible, you can't trust it because only the Bible tells you who God is. And it shows you the promises. God's told us, if, if I leave you and go away, I'm going to come back for you. That where I am, there you'll be also, right? How many of you have a mansion waiting for you when you get out of this world? Okay, here's the problem with that. I know some of you are saved, and I didn't see your hands go up. Do you believe that when you die or the Lord comes again, do you believe, remember the, the raised hand is a testimony, do you believe that God has prepared a place for you to dwell in his heaven for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now can you get your hands up? Thank you. See, we don't need to be ashamed. We need to be proud. I mean, I am a loud person. Can I get amen? Okay. I, I, I sometimes say things I shouldn't say. Can I get amen on that one? Okay. But you got to forgive me. I get excited about the Lord. That is what I live for. I live to be excited. We went bowling yesterday. Man, we were doing the dance. We were like, woohoo! You know, we were throwing the strikes, and it was like, we had two, we had two people with us that were double turkeys. I'm not going to point anybody out. We had a couple of turkeys yesterday. But it was great. We were leaping around, having a great time, you know. Getting it to, a turkey, by the way, is three strikes in a row, for those of you who don't know. Anyways, it was great, and we were having a fun time. Why is it you get to church, and suddenly it's like somebody died and didn't raise from the dead? Jesus rose, y'all. That's next week, but we're good. 
We should be excited about what God's doing. Earlier when Miss Sharon was telling us her testimony, she was getting all Pentecostal. Woo! I thought she was getting to tie her down back there. That's good. We need to have that kind of excitement about who our God is and what our God has done. It says this in Hebrews eleven thirty five: Women received their dead. They were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Can I get an amen? The world is not worthy of God's people. Okay. They wandered in deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and hiding in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, not their death, not their works, not their miraculous actions. They were approved because their faith led them to do what they did. But they did not receive what was promised. They died. They were tortured. They experienced pain. What did they expect to be received by God? What happened after they died? They were received by God. Since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Faith never has to see in order to believe. I know what God's going to do in this church. I know how God's going to bless this church. I know how God is going to expand this church. And I'm here to tell you, if we are going to have 400 people in this building, sweetheart, we have to get ready for 400 people. Because you know what? If you prepare for 20... You know how many show up? 20. If you prepare for 50, you know how many show up? 50. If you prepare for 400, believing that they will come because God will draw them to the place where his name is honored, then I think God will bring them. Amen? Amen. I mean, that Field of Dreams movie, they stole that from the church. If you prepare for them, they will come because God will lead them. Now you go back to this. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Do you know who they're talking about? History tells us, well, church history tells us that Jeremiah met his death through stoning. He was stoned to death after they were taken into captivity. Jeremiah, the great prophet, by that time a very old man. So angry were they with his words that they stoned him to death. It says they were sawed in two. Who was that? Anybody remember? They say that Isaiah's death came this way. They were so upset with Isaiah that they wanted to kill him. But nobody would lay a hand on him because he was so powerful. He was so much a representative of God. Church history says they took Isaiah, they shoved him in a hollow log, and they put him with other hollow logs, and the people cut them in half to turn them into firewood, not knowing they had killed the prophet of God. That's how he died. And it says others, they wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. They were a group of prophets in the Old Testament. The way that they killed them was they took their, and they stripped them down, they wrapped them in goatskins and sheepskins, and they threw them out into a group of lions, and the lions ate them, thinking they were sheeps and goats. They thought it was funny, but it wasn't funny. These people were willing to suffer anything in order to honor the God who had called them. Palm Sunday, people poured into the streets, Waving their palms. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. That's what the scripture says. The people didn't say they said Adonai, our Lord. But it was blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. And that's how Jesus came. 
in the name of the God of Israel, the covenant God who said, I will send the Messiah, I will redeem my people. They went out there, but one week later, the same ones who said, hail, hail, said, crucify, crucify. Because so fickled were they, so focused were they on what Jesus could give them and provide for them. When Jesus didn't make them rich, he didn't make them any more loaves and fishes. When he didn't beat down the Romans, when he didn't give them what they wanted, they turned on him and they yelled crucify. In our world today, there are a lot of people who go to church for a little bit and they wait for God to do a miracle. And if God doesn't do it, they say, well, that's it. There's no God. It's all a joke. It's all a lie. I'm never coming back here again. And they go out in the world and effectively they turn their back on the Son of God committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It happens to this day. So this is Palm Sunday. This is where we raise our palms. We raise our testimony that we have faith in the Son of God, that we have faith in this God who came. So let me ask you, what have you done by faith? What have you done by faith today in this place? Four things. By faith, have you welcomed Jesus as the Messiah on this Palm Sunday morning? Sitting here today, can you say yes by faith, I have believed in the Son of God. I have confessed my sin. I have thrown myself at His feet for mercy. I have asked Him to forgive me. And I have received Him as my advocate, as my Messiah. Be sure you have done that. As I tell you this, as surely as I stand here, if you are sitting here today and you are waiting to receive Jesus, you better pray the rapture don't come. Because if you're sitting here today and you have a head full of Jesus knowledge, and you've read the Bible, and you've thought about this, and you can quote all these scriptures, if you've never repented of your sin and received Christ as Messiah, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible says, therefore I say it. Be sure that as Jesus enters Jerusalem, your Jerusalem today, that you don't just receive him for what you think you can get, but you receive him as the Messiah who's come to save your soul. Two, by faith have you heard and trusted the things he has told us are to come. He told us that he would die. He told us he would be beaten. He told us he would suffer all the afflictions that are detailed in the book of Isaiah. He told us what to expect. And he said, I'm going to go away. False Jesuses are going to come. False messiahs, false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing are going to come into your church. And you need to stand against them. Do we believe that? He said the world's going to fall apart. Things will be shaken. Disease, wars, rumors of wars. All these things he said would happen. Do we believe that these are the signs of the end times? Yes, we do. Third, by faith have you set your face like flint to follow your Lord until he comes again. Remember, Jesus set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, to go to death, to go to torture, to go to crucifixion. He would not be changed because he knew it was necessary. Here's what I tell you, church. Set your face like flint. You are going to follow Jesus no matter what it costs you. If it costs you friends, it costs you friends. If it costs you a boyfriend, it costs you a boyfriend. If it costs you a job, it costs you a job. You know, if they want you to sign a blood covenant that you're going to become a warlock and you're going to practice witchcraft and, and you're going to curse the enemy, well, you know what? You better get out of that company, okay? Because the job ain't worth your immortal soul, dude. It really isn't worth it. Finally, if all this is true, if you have done all this, then count yourself among the ones 
that you have heard about today and rejoice. Hebrews 11 is called the roll call of the faithful. The roll call of the faithful. It's all of those people who stood for God no matter what it cost them. Those who stood for God even though they never saw the deliverance of those things. The last disciple to die was John. He was imprisoned on a lonely island. And on that lonely island, they expected him to die and go crazy. You know what happened instead? God showed him the revelation. Revealed all those things of the end times. And then you know what happened? God delivered him. He was set free. He went back to his home. He sat down. And either with help or by himself, he wrote the revelation. And then you know how God blessed him for writing the revelation? You guys should know this. As soon as he finished it and delivered it, he died. He died as soon as he had finished his job. But I guarantee, on the day he died and closed his eyes on this life, he opened his eyes and there was his Jesus, there was his teacher, there was his Messiah, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, come here and give me a hug. That's what the Lord said when he received John home. Our life is not about accumulating wealth and power and position. It's about lifting our palms and to say, I will testify that this is the Messiah. This is the one who's come, who has come to set me free. And I am going to live and sacrifice anything I have to to stay faithful to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then we're going to move on to something special. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time we have. Father God, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, as we prepare to partake in this wonderful example of what you left for the church. Father, I pray that we consider carefully what it meant for you to come into Jerusalem that day. Father, you came in. You came in in fulfillment of Scripture. You came in on the day appointed. Lord, you fulfilled prophecy again and again during that week. Lord, I pray that right now we prepare ourselves. I pray that we are ready, Lord, to follow you through whatever happens this coming year. That, Father, whether we've lived 60 years 87 years or 17 years that we're going to be faithful in all that we do. Father, as we prepare to celebrate this Lord's Supper, Lord, make us worthy. Father, help us to search our hearts. Father, if there's some way that we have displeased you, if we've been unfaithful, if we have taken you for granted, Father, if we've ignored your word, if we've ignored the time of prayer, Father, if we have just, if we've turned aside because you just didn't give us what we wanted at that moment, Father, Forgive us. Lead us to repentance, Lord. Lead us to confess those sins to you right now in this quiet moment. To confess to you that we're not worthy. But Father, restore us that we might take this memorial, that we might rededicate ourselves, renew our vows of faithfulness to you. So that, Lord, even though death is approaching in this week, even though death was coming to you, that, Lord, like the, like the disciples, we would be willing to stand with you. And Father, unlike them, we're willing to stand right through to the end to where you take us home. Father, help us to do that this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.